Thank you so much, Emily. Great to hear four new people who are part of the family of God. That's what it's all about. That's what we're all about. It's introducing people to Jesus and then helping them to grow to be more like Him and face an eternity in heaven. This past Monday, I was not working, but I had to stop by the church to pick something up. And I rolled up and I saw that one entrance was blocked off with a police car and that there was a fire engine and an ambulance and another car there. And I couldn't get into the parking lot, so I got out and I said, what's going on here? And they said, well, there was a burn victim, most likely the child, I don't know what the age is, of a family. And they wanted to bring the Flight for Life helicopter in. And we have a great landing pad out there. And so uh, you'll see here uh, the Flight for Life helicopter uh, landing there. In the next picture, uh, you'll see uh, that person being uh, transported into the helicopter. It's just, it just so sad watching all that. You know, just thinking of what the parents were going through at that time. And let's take a moment and pray. Dear Lord, I I pray that you would uh, be uh, with this family in the midst of their pain. I pray that you would sustain them. It's going to be a long journey of recovery. And if they don't know you, Lord, I pray that somehow through this tragedy that they would come to know you. Lord, as I I watched that helicopter, it uh, inspired me in the sense that we're a house of hope here at Springbrook. We're like that helicopter. And people know we're here. Uh, Trunk or treat. So many people came and know we're here. The women's event. and We're just going to continue to let people know we're here. Because usually people come to church when there's a crisis. And they might not come this year or next year or the year after, but maybe the year after that. Because we're a part of this community. You've put us here. And we're so grateful for that. In Christ's name, amen. Well, we're going to be studying God's faithfulness this morning. And that's all about hope, isn't it? We have hope because... We are faithful that God will always come through for us. We're studying Chip Ingram's material, uh, the God I thought I knew. And you guys are studying in your small groups and hope you're enjoying it, reading the book, and I'll be sharing Chip's material this morning. Uh, What Chip says is that hope is the oxygen of the soul. Just think about that. Hope is the oxygen of the soul. Isn't that true? Hope keeps you going day by day. Hope is a certainty that no matter how bad things are going in life right now, no matter how much pressure you might be under, how things are just out of whack, that things are going to get better someday in the future. That's hope. And unfortunately, some people run out of hope. Most people think that most suicides are committed during the holidays. But in actuality, most suicides occur 
in April or May. And that's because people live through one of our winters, okay, and, and they're already severely depressed, but they're hoping that spring will bring something new to their lives. And when spring doesn't bring something new to their lives, sadly, they take their lives. Well, friends, that's why we just have to be so intense and committed to getting the gospel out there. Uh, we have to be very aggressive and very intentional as there are so many people in the homes that surround our church where people do not have the hope of Jesus Christ. You see, everybody has to have something to hope in. So as we look at our lives, uh, we might have several things we're hoping in. I mean, we hope in our spouse, uh, hope in our kids, uh, we hope in our finances, uh, money that we're able to save, and uh, we hope in relationships, uh, we can hope in hobbies. There's all kinds of things that it's kind of like the reason you get up in the morning, the thing that you really enjoy doing. And it, it, when everything is going well and uh, that person or that thing is fulfilling your needs, yeah, life is pretty good. But when it's taken away, when the rug is pulled, that's when the pain comes. Because you are putting your hope in that, and it's no longer delivering. And you're angry, you're upset, you're anxious, you're wondering, what is going on here? Right? Well, where can you find something that you can have 100% trust in, no matter what happens in life, that, that it will never be a rug that will be pulled out from you? Well, of course, it's God, right? He is faithful. He will always be faithful. Now, we're going to explore this wonderful truth uh, today. Look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a weeping prophet because he went through a very difficult time in Israel's history. They continued to rebel, and finally the Babylonians came in and uh, destroyed Jerusalem and took all the Israelites captive. And uh, there, was, there was no good news at all. I mean, if you read the book of Lamentations, he is just lamenting. In fact, many people, as they study it, said this guy was clinically depressed, psychologically, physiologically, emotionally, just from the things that he was speaking about. Uh, because he lost everything, in a sense. I mean, he was a prophet to these people, and the people were taken away because of the rebellion, and Jerusalem, where he went to worship, uh, and the temple was gone. I mean, it's like he lost everything. And so, yeah, it makes sense that he would be depressed. And it's interesting, though, that the book goes, and, and at the end of it, he says this, okay, after he's expressed all his feelings and vented. He says, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. Notice what it says there. But this I call to mind. So again, he's 
expressed himself, all of uh, the despair that he's feeling. But he said, wait a second, I've got to remember something. I, I have a very unique problem. You guys can pray for me. Because I just constantly have positive thoughts. I, I don't know what it is, but I mean, I'm just positive about everything all the time. Any problems come up, oh, no big deal. It will all work out. You know, I feel great about myself. I feel great about other people. And it's really kind of irritating. Uh, I mean, I, I can't stop it. That's that's a problem. I can't stop the positive thoughts. So I actually have to write out some 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 negative thoughts. You know, some, some things that are not going right in my life. And I I look at those and I look at those and but still those positive thoughts keep popping in my head. Nah, <laughs> it's the other way around, right? Our mind just gravitates towards what's wrong in our lives, what's wrong in our friends' lives, all the challenges and the problems, and we need to call to mind positive thoughts, right? We need to work at it because, unfortunately, positive thoughts naturally don't pop up in our mind unless the Holy Spirit is prompting those and uh, we're practicing thanksgiving to God. But it's work. It's work to stay on the positive side of life, isn't it? Because there always seems to be a deficit. So when he said this, he said, okay, I've expressed all my negativity, but now I have to intentionally think about my true position. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Hope, the oxygen of the soul. Everything's been taken away from him, but still he has hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. So he's going back to what he's learned, what he's lived out, what he's taught at the worst possible moment of his life. He calls this truth to mind. Love, God's love, never ceases. It never changes. It never stops. We talked about that last week. Uh, his mercies never come to an end. The mercy he shows us, the comfort, the grace, the encouragement, all the blessings, they, they, they never come to an end. Verse 23, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And of course, that wonderful hymn was inspired by this passage. His mercies and his love is new Every morning. I don't know about you, but I need it new every morning. I need more grace every morning. Don't you? <laughs> no matter how old you grow or what you go through, every morning I need some of God's grace. I was reading about Johnny Erickson Tata and how uh, she was speaking about her situation. Of course, she dove uh, into a lake and had a... Uh, accident where she became um, a quadriplegic. And, but she's been a wonderful witness for Christ all these years and just helping people who are in chronic pain, helping people who are uh, paralyzed and helping kids out and things like that. But she just said this recently. She said that it takes as much grace every morning when I wake up and somebody has to bathe me, somebody has uh, to do my hair, 
Somebody has to do all the things obviously you couldn't do yourself. But it's still really painful for her that she does not have that freedom. And that's normal, right? But she needs the same amount of grace from God to accept that and to live through it as she did when it initially happened. I thought that was very telling in terms of the fact that we continue to suffer, but God is there to help us. Uh, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in Him. The Lord is my portion. My job is not my portion. Portion means provision, what I put my trust in, the main thing in my life. Uh, my portion is not my spouse. My portion is not my kids. My portion is not uh, my hobby. My portion is not my health. My portion is God and God alone. And that's what we just continue to grow in. We're, we're fallen people and it just takes a lifetime of walking with Jesus to get to a you know, greater degree of trust and making Him the, the rock in your life. Therefore, I will hope in Him. That's what we're talking about here. We all need to think about what is that one thing that we're putting our faith in and let's switch that over to God. Now, it's hard to do, but again, the more you think about it, the more you meditate upon it, uh, the more it becomes a reality uh, in your life. Second Timothy two twelve and 13, uh, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, we will also, uh, he will also deny us. I'm talking about choosing Christ or not, but then it's talking about we as Christ followers. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So if we choose to do our own thing, follow our own agenda, become involved in sin, when we come back to him, he is just going to be as faithful as he was when he left. Because his faithfulness never changes. And this is so unique to God because what's the most important thing in a relationship? Trust. Trust is the foundation of any relationship. And the more trust you have in a person, the closer relationship you have with them, the more you're willing to open up to them, the more you're willing to trust them, that type of thing. And it's true in marriages too. You might be married, but you're... Your trust level might be very low, like after an affair or, or some other type of thing that hurts your spouse deeply. You've got to rebuild that trust, and it takes time. It takes a long time to rebuild trust. But the beautiful thing is that no matter what we do, what stupid things we do, how we go off on our own, God's faithfulness to us, right, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, never changes an iota. He is committed to us, and it says, for he cannot deny, him, deny himself. What does that mean? He can't do anything different because he is God. And these attributes that we've been talking about, they don't change. And he is not going to change in any way. I just, isn't that the grace of God, you know, <laughs> that uh, we go off 
and wander away, drift from him. And he doesn't say that we need to do anything to rebuild that trust. We just need to come back and repent of our sins and get in line with him again. What an amazing God we have. Psalm 89.1, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. We, we just love to sing, don't we? Love the worship time here at Springbrook. Isn't it great? As we sing of his faithfulness, we th- sing of his love. We sing of his power. We sit, sing of uh, Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that was made. So I, I hope that you're singing throughout the week. How many are singing God's praises throughout the week? Listen, Christian radio or on your iPod or your your phone. Yeah, that that that's good music to listen to because it keeps bringing you back to what truly is the center of your life. Should be the center of your life, and that is God. So he, he, he says he's singing, and then it goes on, With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. So, what's our responsibility? With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. Well, as we've said many times before, whenever God does something good in your life, it's not primarily for you. I mean, you're blessed, but you have the responsibility to tell somebody else that. Now, in regards to uh, God's faithfulness, that's why when we ask people to come up and pray to share how God has been faithful in your life. If you're rejoicing about something, you need to tell other people because the reason God did it was to get the glory. And I've always encouraged you to keep a journal, okay, of God's faithfulness. To keep a journal, to write down what God has done in your life. So how many are doing that? How many keep some type of journal of the great things that God has done? Keep your hands up. I just want to get a, a taste here. Uh, God in your life. Okay. That's great. You're very young. Good job. Uh, friends, I implore you. Okay. This is one of those powerful things you can do to build your faith. When good things happen, I write them down. I write down exactly what happened. And, and, and therefore, you know, when I go through my prayer time, I go to my Thanksgiving list and all things that God has done for me. And let's, let's face it, we forget, right? What have you done for me lately? Uh, what are you going to do today for me? Uh, in that attitude. But hey, listen, just think. If you start out like this young lady here, uh, keeping a journal of every good thing that happens in your life. If she were to keep a journal of every good thing, and she was in her, let's say, 70s, 80s, okay, maybe struggling with a health issue, you know, she could pull that out. And she could go through her life and look at God's faithfulness, how he always came through. That is a faith builder. We're, such a, we're a society that just want to continue to move on. We've got to stop. If God does something for you, if He's faithful to you, you gotta make note of it. You gotta tell somebody. I mean, really, I, I, I'm not too verbose uh, in, my, in my journal. I just, you know, put down what happened. Uh, <laughs> do 
little words, just some tickler words to help you remember what happened, right? Really, guys, that, if you take only that away from this message, that will be worth it. I would encourage you to sit down with your spouse, your friend, or somebody, and even go back over this, the last couple of years, okay, and rebuild. You know, if you have a calendar that you keep or whatever, but think of all the things that God has done. And then your next job is to train your children, right? You want to pass it down through uh, your uh, generations. Many of your children do not know how faithful God was to you when they weren't born. Okay, They're not aware of that. Have you told them? I'm sure many of you have, but that's your responsibility. You've got to teach them about who God is. You've got to tell them, God is faithful here, faithful here, faithful here, faithful here. And then you just do it in everyday conversation. I encourage you to have family devotions, you know, whenever it works for you at the mealtime or later on. And that's a great time to speak of God's faithfulness, to keep a family journey of God's faithfulness. Because that builds faith. That builds confidence in God. It's a slow process. But you've got to remember You've got to write it down. Of course, that's seen throughout the Old Testament, that idea. And then for those of you who are grandparents, God bless you grandparents. Oh, you play such a critical role in children's lives. And it's just so unfortunate because of our society that uh, many grandparents aren't there for whatever reason. But for those of you who can be there, uh, even if if your grandchildren live far away, Continue to tell them about God's faithfulness in your life. Continue uh, to write them, Facebook, whatever. That's what you should put on Facebook, right? I mean, I don't care what you had for lunch for Pete's sake. I really don't, all right? But, but, But put down how God has been faithful. Say, God has been faithful. In fact, I encourage everybody to do that today. Get on Facebook and say, God has been faithful to me it could be something very simple, you know. Gave me the right parking place, something <laughs> of that nature. But hey, let's—that's that, what we need to to cry and sing out about. Numbers twenty-three nineteen. God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Well, of course, <laughs> right. He's going to do it, and he's going to fulfill it. His word is good. I was buying a Bluetooth yesterday, and I said, uh, is there a extended warranty on this, especially an accidental uh, warranty? <laughs> I am not known for managing my stuff well. <laughs> I have to keep bringing my glasses in to get them uh, fixed, but... All that to say is, I want to know, is there a warranty here? How long can I count on this thing? And they said, I'm sorry, it's only, you know, a typical year. Okay, whatever, just curious. Uh, but that's what we want, right? We want warranties on things that we buy, that we invest in. We want warranties on relationships. We want warranties on our money being safe. We're always looking for a warranty. A guarantee. We want a guarantee that this will be there for us when we need it. There's only one guarantee, and that is God. 
God's guarantee to you that he will be faithful, that he will love you, that he will provide for you, that he will you know, take you to heaven someday. That's the only guarantee that you have in life. And see, that's what you've got to think about. That's the problem with our culture is, you know, we'll sit down and veg out in front of the TV sometimes and uh, do other things. That's okay. But then when you compare it with the time that we spend in God's Word, reading it, well, it doesn't compare quite well. But you see, this is where you're going to get the strength to live life. This is where you're going to learn how you can depend upon God. See, again, this whole series is about who, how do you view God? What does He look like to you? And, and all our views of God are different based upon our spiritual maturity and things of that nature. But the, the point is, you've got to remember, God is God and He's your dad. And wow, I mean, that changes everything, right? Every day you wake up and it's... Time to serve God day. Time to love Him. Time to walk with Him. Not, you know, how can I have more fun today or how can I, whatever. Yeah, so true. Uh, and it just increases hope. Uh, we, as part of our Disciple Driven initiative, uh, are helping out Lawndale Community Church. And we're helping their Hope House. Here's a picture of it. Uh, the Hope House uh, was started in 1995 by Pastor Joe. And uh, they had like, Two bedrooms. They start out with four. Now they've got, oh my, 40 to 50. And it's a Christian rehabilitation center uh, where guys can come who have just gotten out of prison or they've been struggling with drugs, addictions. And, and they can come and they get hope in this house. Pastor Joe and the other people that work with him, uh, they're experts. In fact, the executive pastor of Lawndale Community Church uh, came from Hope House. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, this holistic uh, restoration. And here are some of the guys. Uh, well, here's Pastor Joe first. Yeah, he's the guy that leads it. He's a really wonderfully gifted man. And then we see a picture of the guys uh, there. That was on the website. Uh, and uh, we gave them $25,000 uh, in order uh, to help restore Hope House because the roof was, you know, really in bad shape and interior drywall, and just a lot of other things. And hopefully we'll be able to work out a date where if anybody wants to go down and help them, uh, they can do that. But, oh, it's so fun to go down to Lawndale. I've been down there several times myself. And, and we're, we're trying to get everybody down there once a month. Uh, not everybody at once, but, uh, you know, over a period of time. Uh, so Eric Runk, uh, our elders, uh, is going to be taking a group down next Sunday. Next Sunday, so 8, 8.30, you go down there, you get a tour of the place, which is just fascinating, and then you go to worship service, and then you help the guys take down, and then you have dinner with them. It's as simple as that. You're just going to church, you know? and you're getting to know these guys, you're encouraging them, and uh, we bring some desserts along to kind of spice things up, but that's part of our vision. That's our Samaria. We want to, want to help encourage uh, them and their discipleship uh, process. So I would really encourage you to fill that out and put that in uh, the program. Now I look at Isaiah 55, verse 10. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So God is making the point that His faithfulness 
is seen in creation. You got the weather cycle going here, right? I can guarantee you it's going to snow this winter. I don't know how much, but it will snow. And every winter until Jesus comes back, it's going to snow here in the Midwest. Well, we know that because that's the way creation works. It's very predictable. And, well, that's the way God is. He's very predictable. So he says, based on that pattern, he says, you can compare it to what comes out of my mouth. He says, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. So he says, just as you can depend upon the rain and the snow and, you know, uh, food growing, you can depend on what comes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. There's nothing I'm going to say that never happens. No, everything I say is going to be fulfilled. But it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, as you look at this book, this amazing book, it just inspires you. I mean, every promise in here is going to be fulfilled. Whatever God said, it's going to happen. Because you can bank on Him. You can trust His Word. Just, don't you just hate it when people say things to you and they don't follow through, you know, show up someplace or whatever it might be. You're like, oh, come on. God never does that. No, He always shows up. He always does exactly what He has said in His Word. And that's very encouraging. Uh, let's look at 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9. I know many people are struggling with all kinds of challenges uh, in their life. And uh, some, some experience chronic pain. You know, chronic pain every day. They experience it and they go through it. And it doesn't change. And that's very difficult to cope with. And with Paul, we're not sure. He had a thorn in the flesh. But we're not sure what it is. Uh, but when you think about a thorn in the flesh, if you took a thorn and jabbed it into your arm, you'd feel pain, right? So the idea is that it was something painful in his life. And so we read in 2 Corinthians 12, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Then Paul changes his tune totally. Okay? He says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may remain on me. So this is so counterintuitive, right? Okay, if you're weak, that's really good because I can work through you. Oh, wait, wait, wait a second. I'm supposed to be strong. I'm supposed to be smart. I'm supposed to be disciplined. I'm supposed to get out there and take on the world for you. No, no, no. no. You have weaknesses and you're going to figure them out. Don't worry about it. And when that weakness comes, that's a good thing. Because then you're going to give up, you know, what you think you can do. And you're going to allow me to really throw, flow through you. Paul goes on to say, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that in our weaknesses, in chronic pain or other issues that are going on in our life, that, that God can be glorified even more in those situations than if we were healthy? Well, that's true. That's how God works. 
So we just really need to, to rethink our weaknesses. We need to boast about our weaknesses. Boast about, uh, you know, we can do certain things or whatever the case might be. But uh, then God really starts to work because you're, you're a usable vessel. If you're just trusting yourself, you know, God can't, <laughs> can't get a hold of you in a sense because you're on your own. But when you just kind of break down and say, God, just use me, that is when the action stops, starts. All right. Uh, let's look at another passage here. Uh, Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. We've referred to this passage. Uh, one of my favorite passages. It says, Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Now, it's interesting how Isaiah puts this. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God? Well, of course they knew that, right? They knew that. But he wanted to remind them again. That's why you you need to continue to study God and study verses about God. Because when you get an appropriate idea of who God is, it will transform your life. If you have a weak idea of who God is, you're not going to really trust in Him that much or go to Him that much. But I tell you what, as you study who He is, uh, your relationship will change. So He's again reminding them, as we need to be reminded, He does not faint or grow weary. God never gets tired. Never. Not one time in all eternity. His understanding is unsearchable. We talked about that, right? Uh, He gives power to the faint. And to him who has uh, no might, he increases strength. That's just such an encouraging verse. And we're feeling out of gas, right? Verse 30, even you shall faint and be weary. Anybody have any here toddlers that can say they actually ran out of gas at some point? Even use grow tired and uh, uh, weary. Uh, and uh, young men shall uh, fall exhausted. Like my, one of my sons was on the couch most of the night exhausted. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking, he's a young man. And uh, he gets exhausted. But then he goes on to say that, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. And sometimes that's translated hope. But those who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. Now that's a powerful statement, isn't it? When we think about our lives and how frustrated we are sometimes and your mother taking care of kids and how tired you are. If you wait upon the Lord, you will renew your strength. God will renew your strength. And we all need strength, right? And then get this. He's just not going to renew it, but he's going all the way to the top. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> like eagles. Powerful wings. That's what God will allow us to do. And then he goes on, they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not be faint. Well, that's, that's the kind of verse that you want to really memorize, meditate upon, and just continue to go back to God for that strength uh, that you need. Let me look at Psalm 89.1 again. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever with my mouth. I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. So i got two challenges for you. Uh, the first challenge is to start to keep track 
of God's faithfulness in your life. You can write it on Facebook every time. You're on there a lot. If you're one of those Facebook people <laughs> or Twitter, <laughs> you know, that's the way you can keep. Think how many things you, for those of you who do write on social media, think how much you write, okay? Just take some of that energy and write down the faithfulness of God. So that's what I want you to do this week. Also, we're having a uh, praise celebration on November 23rd, and uh, we're going to just give all our praise to God and thank Him for His faithfulness. Uh, half of it is music, worship music. The other half of it is prayer and people just sharing testimonies and telling about how God has been faithful in their lives. So I really encourage you to make that a priority. That's uh, Sunday night. I believe it's at uh, 6 o'clock to 7.30. You get some pie afterwards too. But uh, I tell you, those are such beautiful times because they lift us all up when we hear other people praising God. This time I'd like Chrissy Ortman to come out, and she has a story to tell about how God has been faithful to her. My name is Chrissy Ortman. My husband Bill and I have attended Springbrook since December of 2007. We're on the worship team and attended small groups. I am part of the prayer team and bake brownies when I can. We also helped with the church picnics this year, and Bill and I are celebrating our 29th wedding anniversary today. Thank you. When Pastor Dan asked me to share about God's faithfulness in the midst of trials in my life, I thought, how am I going to keep this down to three minutes? So here it goes. Twenty-six years ago, I kept busy working as an RN on the night shift. That way I could care for my own grandmother in our home. But in September of 1988, I ran a temperature of 102 for four days. My life would never be the same again. Constant low-grade temps and joint pains, swollen lymph nodes, and salivary glands made it difficult to work. And within four weeks, I was told by a heart doctor I needed to take a month off to give my heart a rest. Truth was, I was no longer able to care for myself or my grandmother. She went to a nursing home, and my parents had to come up from Florida to help get me from doctor to doctor. I'd lost 15 pounds, developed terrible open sores or blisters inside of my mouth. At my lowest point, I remember thinking, God, do you know how much I'm suffering? Don't you care? It was then that I suddenly pictured the cross with Jesus hanging on it. And I realized, yes, he does. At my, at God in his faithfulness provided many family and friends who helped take me to all the doctors, hospitals, treatments, and testing. Four months later, I was told I had Hashimoto's thyroiditis, hypothyroid, Epstein-Barr virus, chronic fatigue syndrome, and fibromyalgia. After six months of being unable to work, I applied for Social Security Disability and enacted my own private disability policy. Thankfully, Bill and I had saved my paychecks for the first three years we were married. We lived within our means and tithed to our church. God, in his faithfulness, had me take out a private disability policy two months before I got sick. Eight months later, after a lot of paperwork, I started receiving $630 a month for the next five years. It took 
two and a half years for Social Security disability to be awarded. By God's grace, the judge changed his own ruling and awarded me disability. My attorney had never seen that happen before. I told him, God answers prayers. So now we had money to save, even though I couldn't work. But I still had to deal with the fevers, night sweats, and terrible body aches. But God continued to show me grace and faithfulness during these difficult times. In 1991, I was told I had systemic lupus, a terrible autoimmune disease. I just kept getting sicker. Poor Bill, this was not the wife he'd married. In 2009, 20 years into this illness, I was finally diagnosed with Lyme's disease. A doctor from Connecticut said this is probably why you've been sick all of these years. And after six weeks of IV antibiotics, the fevers, headaches, and brain fog were all gone. I was left with some joint and muscle pain, but I felt well, finally free of the monster. I was going to get my life back, and for the next year, I did, until I started with balance problems after a cruise. Four months later, I developed tremors. My left side of my body went into spasms, making it difficult to walk. Then I started having difficulty chewing and swallowing. I spent so many sleepless nights praying for healing. The tremors caused severe muscle pain and made me feel seasick. God, why is this happening to me? How do I make this stop? The prayer team at this church have kept my faith going, knowing people pray and care is so important. That's one of the primary ways God has shown his faithfulness to his other people. I am grateful for my doctors and the medication that is helping with this dystonia, tremors, and small fiber neuropathy. I couldn't do this life without God. God has given me a husband who loves me in the better and worse times and family that lives with us and helps in so many ways. What I have found through all these challenges is that they have drawn me closer to God and to be more dependent on him. And, of course, that's his goal, to be dependent on him. And when you're in chronic pain, there are things that you learn about God that you can't learn anywhere else. So I'm grateful he's revealed these things to me. And yes, God is faithful. Amen. Thank you so much, Chrissy, for testifying of God's faithfulness to you and a lot of difficult and painful uh, situations. We'll continue to pray for you. To bring full health. And I've known Chrissy for years, and it's just amazing her attitude. She really just had a, I don't know, it's like somebody suffering that much shouldn't be that happy. <laughs> but God's Spirit has been within you, and you just have such a, I think one of the things you mentioned is that you focus on other people. Uh, a, of course, we know that, you know, when you focus on other people, uh, get your eyes off yourself. Let's pray. Well, I want to thank you for uh, Chrissy. I just, uh, She's an inspiration to me, has been for many years, and I pray that you continue to heal her body. I pray you continue to give her the strength she needs. She's ministering to her cousin and several others right now. She's just a wonderful saint that just keeps serving and serving even in the midst of her pain. And Lord, I pray that we would be inspired and that we would, again, get an idea of who you are. That's one of the main ways we learn about your faithfulness is by listening to other people's stories. In Christ's name, amen.